it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is the ACC tailgate. Lawton Swan, Ingram Smith hanging out with you. Episode number two, Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Sunday, 7 o'clock. We'll be here live for you uh, on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. It is the ACC tailgate. And again, the topic today, just kind of taking a look at coaches and buyouts and, and, and payments that have to be made to these guys. And I'm with you 100% uh, on, on that front, Ingram. I think that if you're a coach that is on the hot seat heading into 2020 with or without football I think you feel fairly secure that no matter what happens uh, you should be you should be good to go and uh, in terms of not being fired because these schools aren't going to have the money in their budgets uh, to pay these guys uh, what you know the money that they might potentially want so or need on their way out the door. So from that standpoint, I think it is something that we've got to, you know, keep in mind. And I think that people will continue to consider. And, you know, if you've had several coaches in recent years and, you know, that that get bought out or, or not necessarily bought out, but, you know, you're having to pay these guys their salaries. I mean, you could talk about a financial squeeze uh, in a mighty big hurry. And, you know, some of the news that we mentioned earlier about Syracuse and the impact of not having fans uh, in the stands in the state of New York. You know, when it comes down time for the Atlantic Coast Conference, Ingram, to, to make decisions on things of this nature, I mean, will there be a collective whole that will say, hey, look, it's really not going to be any fair for Florida State uh, from the standpoint of them, you know, I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with your picture, man. It's sliding all over the place. It keeps moving. Uh, I'm not even touching it. Um, but from that standpoint, you know, when you look around the league, if Syracuse is the lone team that can't have fans in the stands at all, would the collective whole uh, of the conference say, you know what, guys, we uh, we just really think it's probably best if nobody has fans at all to make it equitable? I mean, well, it's going to be really tough. I mean, yeah. it's going to be really tough. I know one of the reasons why the conference started talking about the pod uh, groups and the home and homes was because um, in no uncertain terms, the governor of New York was letting people know there's no way 130 people are going to fly to South Florida. There's no way we're going to have, uh, you know, the all the people that are needed for a college football player, a college football game to take place. Um 
there's been some concern from the Florida State camp about the live, how realistic the West Virginia season opener was going to be. And um, the Atlanta Sports Council came out pretty aggressively saying, yeah, that game's on. Um, <laughs> only way that game wouldn't be on is if we, if we don't have the ability to have fans in the stands. Um, and even for the 1st of September, that's going to be uh, a challenge, I think. So... Uh, we'll have to see. I do think that you'll see probably some kind of uniformity in decision. I, when I talk to people in college athletics, they're all but accepting for the most part that this is going to, if it's going to be played, it's more than likely going to be played without people uh, in the stands and going to be played not in front of a live uh, live crowd. So that'll be, you know, it'll be certainly something to get used to, but it'll probably look. Uh, I don't know if you've watched much of the much of the soccer matches that have taken place over the last month or so in England or Germany or uh, wherever in Europe, and that's uh, something that they've had to try to figure out how to do. And I think we're going to see that on on this side of the Atlantic as well. Well, and I think for people that are concerned about it, the one thing I will say from the standpoint of watching European soccer and the way they've done it, it got a lot better when they started piping in fan noise. And even yesterday, kind of watching the Atlanta Braves and some preseason baseball, there was a you know a hit late and a run scored. And I don't know if they got three or four guys working the crowd, but you could feel the energy in a stadium that was empty uh, as that was taking place. And I, I think that can very much be simulated for the fans that, home I've got to imagine the experience for the players is weird but uh, there is no mistaking the fact that when it comes to the number of fans I think what you heard out out of Texas uh, from the standpoint of they want to get 50 percent of their crowd which is 49,800 fans essentially into the stadium uh, I think that's such a reach at this point for anybody to believe that that would be the case listen you can you can have pie in the sky and pipe dreams and be so excited about what's potentially going to take place. But I, I'm with you, Ingram. I think right now the reality is if you get 15 people in, you're fortunate. I think it's probably going to be none in the Atlantic Coast Conference as long as Syracuse can't have a single fan in their stadium. I don't see how anybody that's in a society where we say, hey, we're all in this together, thinks mm-hmm. that it would be fair for Clemson to have 35,000 people at home games while Syracuse has none. That's really yeah. hard for me to imagine. Yeah, no, I, I think you make a bring up a good point there, uh, and it will be interesting. And when the uh, when the Texas governor announced that about a month ago, he did that at a time honestly where I th- the the winds at the time maybe it was six weeks ago even it, it's hard to keep track exactly of the ups and downs of yeah, time is time uh, of this, is sort of, <laughs> of this COVID fluid. stretch that we've gone through. But that was kind of the first thing that I saw that came across like, well, hold on a minute, this. Uh, this that's strange because at the time it felt like we were headed to, you know, hundred percent attendance, full go, um, and and that we would be back to you know kind of what we've known. So um, that is kind of the one moment, or one of the few moments in time that I really remember along this this process. And then I know Phil Fulmer and Tennessee have talked about that their plan is to have hundred percent, and you know people can have their plans. I just don't know that that type of plan has a, has a snowball's chance in hell coming into fruition this year. But, um, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see the only point that I would make that I've enjoyed. I'm a big soccer fan that I've enjoyed watching in these games without quite as much crowd noise is that you do, um, you do get a better feel 
for the sport itself. And, and, you know, you can feel when somebody, you know, really connects with a ball, you hear the, the noises of sport at a level uh, that we don't otherwise get a chance to. So it's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. I'm certainly not going to tell our listeners that it's going to be better. No, it's not. Uh, but there might be tiny little things that you can have access to or an appreciation of that you don't get in the, you know, the traditional, uh, you know, 88,000 people in the upstate of South Carolina watching, watching the Tigers play. It is the ACC tailgate. Lawton Swan, Ingram Smith hanging out with you here. Uh, on a Thursday evening, excuse me, a Wednesday. I got to get used to the fact that this is not a Thursday show. <laughs> I, I feel like Thursday night ACC football is kind of where it's at sometimes. So I, I guess that's sort of the mode I'm in. But, you know, today Clemson made a major announcement. I don't know how many people saw this, but Clemson's going to start classes virtually. They're not going to put uh, students on campus, Ingram, until September the 21st right now. They'll go ahead and get things rocking and rolling for almost a month virtually. And and I get the feeling that that has to do with trying to keep that bubble around the football program as much as possible because I've got a feeling that these athletic directors know exactly how many games they have to play to be able to support the other fall sports. Those sports are obviously in question because the bottom line is going to come down to dollars and cents. And if they know that they can play five or six games and still uh, be not in a great financial spot by comparison, but I have to carry the baggage of those other programs. I, I think it's a you know something that they're really looking at right now. They want to get these games in, but they got to do it the the smart way and best way. And if Clemson students don't get back on campus till September the twenty first, well, they're supposed to open the season September the third. That gives them probably at least three games before you have to worry about real coronavirus problems with the players, and maybe another two weeks out, given what we've seen about the infection rate. So we don't know if these guys can be reinfected, but I think you might be looking at something where athletic directors and university presidents in room are trying to say, hey, you know what, we've got to get to the point where we can get six games, seven games in before yeah. we start dealing with the pandemic on campus. Yeah, you got to get it'll be a rush to get your six division games in and get your, you know, get your qualified teams for uh, for your conference championship games. And, and that's why I have these. uh you know, if we're really doing a sprint to six, then I wonder how South Carolina Clemson's going to work. I, I think it'll be put on the schedule, uh, but I I think that everything will come second secondary to getting your conference schedule played, getting your TV contract money secured, and like you said, some of the things that are necessary to support everything else that goes around. And yeah, I mean that's an interesting move by Clemson. It's it's a positive one for the likelihood of. of uh, of college football. I mean, I know in talking to some of these college administrators, they don't, you know, they're pretty sure these kids aren't getting like when you have in, you know, 31 kids test positive or whatever, that it's not necessarily happening uh, at the gym and the locker room, going through walkthroughs or practice. It's that you come back, you're 21 years old and you live life like a college student and you go to college parties. And, um, you know, I, I do think that, it's an interesting and, and complex conversation about treating college athletes wildly different than you do the rest of the student body. Uh, but I think you've got a hell of a lot of a higher chance of getting football in, at least getting kind of the proverbial plane off the ground uh, if you don't have the rest of the student body running around during those first couple of weeks. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how successful that is and whether or not similar institutions adopt kind of a similar calendar. 
It is the ACC tailgate. Lawton Swan, Ingram Smith with you. Sundays at 7, Wednesdays uh, at 7. So uh, we're hoping that you will enjoy this and we'll continue to uh, keep on, keep it on. And we're trying to air out some of the bugs here in the first couple of episodes. So, Ingram, I'll just ask you. I was trying. They, they're telling me there was a little echo in your audio. I was trying to fix it on my end. Could you hear me just a second ago? I know I'm recording everything, but I didn't know if you could hear me when I was trying to fix it. Uh, I lost you for about ten seconds. Sir. Okay, well then, yeah. So that didn't do that didn't fix the problem. It made it worse for you. So all I did was recap what we were talking about here on the show, anyway. But it's a lot of fun. And and look, Ingram and I have both done a lot of podcasts through the years, and uh, certainly we've both done radio work. So you know, this is a show that's going to be engaging and interactive for Atlantic Coast Conference fans. I can guarantee you that. And looking forward to it. Out of the gate last week or the, earlier in the week when we started, Ingram with episode one, we didn't have any bumper music, and I'm you know, I'm racking my brain today thinking what can we do what can we do and i just fired up a little uh the, you know auburn's marching band playing the horse one of their fight songs i know that's outside of the acc's uh perspective but that was my high school fight song back in the day we played uh, we played the 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 horse so that was a the barnwell war horses that's a great mascot by the way war horses underrated mascot ingram uh, how about you what was your uh, where'd you go to high school and and what was your mascot and all that uh we were the uh Ironically enough, we were the the War Eagles, uh, so uh, I went to I went to Woodward here, high school in Atlanta. But uh, no, I love the I love the music selection, and you know maybe just for for the idea of the neutrality, it's not a, not a bad idea to choose somebody's music outside the ACC, and that was a was a nice grab by you and added a little something to the show, definitely. Well, you know, I even thought what we could do is maybe start every episode with a different team in the Atlantic Coast Conference and just pass it around. I mean, uh, in all honesty, these, I mean, you know, from the standpoint of the league, we want to be equal opportunity offenders, uh, I think some people <laughs> might say as we uh, roll along here on the ACC tailgate, which is going to be a lot of fun, I think, for uh, fans everywhere as we begin to move towards uh, the college football season. I do have to admit, though, it was it was kind of sad. We mentioned this on Sunday. It was kind of sad the fact that this was supposed to be the ACC kickoff. That this was supposed to be the beginning of the talking season, so to speak, and getting ready for the college football year. And even though it was going to be virtual, uh, I'm already missing the interaction and the engagement of sitting down with some of these coaches. And we've got several. We mentioned last week Manny Diaz going into his second season at Miami, but you know Jeff Collins. Is uh, you mentioned Atlanta? There's an interesting, uh, you know, transformation that's taken place uh, under Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, going from that old Paul Johnson triple option to what they want to do now and spread you out and uh, really kind of. Uh, it, it seems so innovative. I mean, it's like a Ferrari by comparison to the Rambling Wreck. But uh, you know, there's another head coach coming into his second year in this league that I think nationally a lot of people will, will have their eyeballs on. And he's so engaging. I can, I can. When you're around some of these guys, uh, you get a sense of why a kid would want to commit and come play there. And Jeff Collins presents that type of attitude to be kind of like Dino Babers. It, you know, when you talk to him, you want to run through a wall. Yeah, he's. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. I still think they're probably a year. Uh, you know, a year behind, not behind schedule. I think they're very much on schedule, but, uh, you know, what they're going to have on the field is still uh, kind of a, kind of still feeling it out and a little bit of a transition phase, but the class that Georgia Tech signed last year is as good as any class they've signed since the last one that, uh, that Chan Gailey signed in, I think, 2006 or 2007 that ended up being 
kind of the cornerstones to a lot of that early success that Paul Johnson um, had. And, the, you know, they signed a kid uh, by the name of Jeff Sims, who I'm familiar with, was recruited to, or committed to Florida State for a long time and then kind of uh, became available at the end with the Taggart departure and, and Georgia Tech came in and signed him. And then <clears throat> Georgia Tech got on on, on this kid named uh, Jameer Gibbs last year, kind of early in the process of running back at Dalton. And, uh, man, by the end of the by the end of the recruiting year, Jameer Gibbs was as sought after as any running back in the country. He chose ended up, you know, choosing Georgia Tech over schools like Ohio State and, you know, just not a win that you see very frequently for for Georgia Tech for Georgia Tech. And that's probably as as talented a kid as they've signed again since, you know, 10 or 15 years. So uh, the transition started. It'll be fascinating to see how they implement some of those really talented freshmen, but uh, Georgia Tech's a, a fun program. And, hey, look, it's, you know, everybody's going to have their own, you know, biases or teams they choose for, but um, I think Georgia Tech's one of those programs of the ACC that can, uh, you know, certainly play at a higher level uh, than it has at times, and I think it can recruit at a higher level uh, with the right people in there, and, and it certainly looks like they've got a – a pretty good combination of coaching and recruiting there. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see uh, what it looks like over, you know, the next two to three years there for Georgia tech. Cause it, it does appear as though they're, they're trending pretty positively right now. Yeah, I agree. It is the ACC tailgate, Ingram Smith, Lawton Swan. I think we may have gotten some of the audio issues ironed out and doing the show, the second episode. Those are the things that, uh, that, that will happen, but we can assure you that we're going to continue to put on a great program. You know, I had a background way before uh, I was even playing varsity sports. Uh, my family grew up, you know, having me do theater. They always said the show must go on. So if if I got to troubleshoot and go, I'm going to troubleshoot and go, Ingram. That's just the way it is. So I think uh, we're getting the signal back from the home studios there, uh, LandryFootball.com, that everything is good to go with the ACC tailgate and all our audio. So that's a positive here. The podcast is going sound amazing because I can see that in front of me from that standpoint you know when we talk about college football Ingram and recruiting advantages that some schools have a lot of times it comes down uh, in my opinion to the intimacy of the campus and the larger the city that you're recruiting in I think at times can be a little bit more difficult because of the distractions that parents see from that aspect when we look at Atlanta uh, you know that's a pretty hip southern city where a lot of kids still want to go it's you know rich in culture and and certainly uh, offers a unique environment for anybody that wants to be there but man with that university right downtown just smack dab in the middle of atlanta and that has got to be in some respects a tough sell to some parents uh to some it's it's a it's a challenge i'm sure and you know you can point out everything's going to have its drawbacks and its positives um you know what what georgia tech really the challenge that they faced for for a while ironically enough i i always talked about and there's probably some hyperbole built into this uh but the biggest thorn in georgia tech's side for a long time was stanford stanford was coming into atlanta picking a lot of these kids um and then they've done this for about 20 years now picking a lot of these kids out of uh you know well-to-do public schools or private schools and getting them to fly you know 2500 miles west for one of the better degrees in america and just have had a better pitch to sell uh than than georgia tech when kind of recruiting that type of student athlete and for a period of time there 
you know, you'd look at Stanford's roster and five of the 11 starters on defense would be from the metro Atlanta area. Um, so they've got to do a better job of getting kids to stay home. Certainly seems like um, that's their goal. You know, Georgia Tech has never like if you look at like the old Super 11 that the, that the AJC used to and maybe still does put out, you're never going to open that up and see Georgia Tech, you know, beat UGA for seven of the top kids, 11 kids in Georgia or something yeah. like that. Uh, but they do have to find a better job or do a better job of finding an athlete that fits with what they're trying to do and then make sure that, you know, Stanford or Vanderbilt don't come in and end up beating them out uh, for it. So a uh, little bit of a unique niche in a very unique pitch uh, when you look at that campus and some of the opportunities and, and drawbacks that are associated with it. And you're right, it's not going to be for everybody, but uh, if you get mom and dad on campus and you're able to sell them on the value of the degree and, you know, every, a lot of schools talk about this, but I know it's one of Georgia Tech's selling points. It's not a, not a four-year decision. It's a 40-year decision. Uh, and, you know, more times than not, I think if they've got a real energetic recruiter and somebody that's really trying to sell that message, that Georgia Tech can can hold their own on the recruiting trail. It's the ACC tailgate Wednesdays at 7 and Sundays at 7 p.m. We'll be here for you, guiding you through the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ups and the downs, the roller coaster ride uh, as we approach the college football season. We really uh, still, Ingram, it's amazing to be sitting this late in the calendar year, this close to the college football season. And even though we've still got quote unquote schedules in front of us, not really knowing what those schedules are, will look like like or how many games will be played uh, word on the street is that Notre Dame and Jack Swarbrick want to see a shortened schedule pushing it back maybe play eight to ten games uh, there's still very much the consideration between the Atlantic Coast Conference and the SEC to try to keep some of those natural non-conference rivalries alive that so many of our listeners love like Florida State and Florida uh, Kentucky and 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 uh, Louisville Clemson and, and South Carolina and Georgia and Georgia Tech and I think from you know that standpoint that that is part of the reason and we know that these decisions have to be made shortly that we know that they're coming up at the back end of July but man it just feels like right now the 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 closer we get the the less we seem to know and i think it is an uncomfortable edge uh, of this sword that we're sort of facing and i'll ask you given what we've witnessed in the nba where they just press pause on their season they didn't say we're going to just th- throw it up and get rid of it they're trying to get back in that that bubble down in orlando you know i'm i'm looking at these athletic directors and these institutions right now and I'm wondering if in some degree they look at the decision they made in March and thinking, man, we, what if we'd have just held out? Could we have squeezed in a short March Madness right now? Could we, you know, would there have been something to capitalize on if you just didn't fold your cards? And that's why I think we're just going to see this thing ride out as long as possible before anybody makes a definitive decision. I think there's, they are nervous. Rightfully so. I think you don't want to be the guy that makes the the call of ending things because of the backlash you'll get. And so I think that they are, you know, I never thought in my life that we would witness anything to this scale in our country. Um, I think I think I as an American thought we were a little bit uh, invincible. And I think we've seen that a virus can really force us to have to make decisions that we 
typically wouldn't make. And I, I really believe, Ingram, that right now the reason these things keep getting pushed back and the, you know, the answers are coming later is because nobody wants to make the tough decision and they're doing whatever they can to avoid having to tell you and me and our listeners there's no college football in the fall. There are no college sports in the fall. And and that is a tough place to be as a fan because you and I don't do this because we just, you know, love football. We're fans of the game. I mean, you and I are fans of the game. And, man, I just hate the situation we're in right now. It's horrible. It really is. And I, I think there's a lot of different reasons that they do it. But I, I agree with you the the – the play right now is to wait and the idea of going to some kind of conference only or, or, you know, conference concentrated uh, type of scheduling, I think is to give them that flexibility to let them wait as long as possible, try to find, you know, glimmers of positive news. And um, they certainly don't want to, you know, uh, they don't want to disappoint the fans and, and they, <laughs> they really don't want to disappoint <clears throat> you know, the men's cross country coach or something like that, when they've got to call them and tell them that they have to fold that program. I mean, it's just, uh, it's a horrible situation. And, uh, and I think, you know, if anything, I think kind of the eight game schedule is the one that's kind of coming into focus as to what the most likely resolution is here that you get your six conference games in. And then you have a, maybe a traditional rivalry and, and either a game that's already scheduled or kind of a pickup uh, game that you play here. And, and I agree with you. I mean, the idea, <clears throat> like when they announced that uh, the, you know, the Syracuse game or Syracuse wasn't going to have any fans in the stands point blank. And then I, I saw people announce that like, oh, well, Florida State's game on November 19th won't have fans in the stadium. I was like, <laughs> I've so much abandoned hope that we're living off the previously scheduled and published uh, a series of events that I, I don't even consider that game to be November 19th anymore. I, I don't think any of us have an idea as to what the actual schedule is or when, you know, this university is going to play that one. So um, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, I think we can all kind of tear up the schedules that we have and those awesome helmet grids that we put on our refrigerator every fall. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to wait to know exactly what that ends up looking like. Definitely. Yeah. According to a report from CBS news, colleges will lose $150 million playing conference only games uh, due to coronavirus. So this is a, you know, it's such a, a financial impact as well. And, you know, and that's why I said, I think, and, and I would want to be any of these athletic directors right now, because I, I really think the, the thoughts that you have to have is okay. If I'm going to keep my, soccer coach or my uh, cross-country coach or whoever, if I'm going to keep that person employed, then I might have to tell those kids, hey, look, we can't afford for you to travel to all these events. We can't afford for you to do the The sacrifice that those student-athletes might have to have is they give up essentially a year, and the sacrifice that the football kids might have to have is that they live in somewhat of a bubble to try to get through to to keep everything afloat financially. It it is a a situation that I don't think anybody – uh, yeah, I've never, I haven't heard anybody go, man, this is fantastic, right? But uh, I think it's starting to become the reality for people to recognize that if we're going to get this done, th- they may have to change some rules because right now you can't have just you know, football athletic dorms only. They right. might have to do that. The NCAA might have to say, hey, we're, we're going to allow that this year. And those kids might not 
attend class with the other students on campus at all this year. I mean, because I think really we could talk about the health and safety of the student athlete all day long, but we know when they go out there on the field, there's risk of injury and everything of that nature. But if you're going to focus on it from the standpoint of coronavirus, uh, I don't see how you can send them to class and not think that things are going to come to a screeching halt. We, you got to bubble up. You got to do the things that are a little bit uncomfortable that we've seen in the NBA. And that seems to be working. You know, they had what 346 negative tests, no positive tests the other day. That feels like the only way to protect these players is to insulate them. And part of that insulation for fans is going to be you're not going to be there either. And you already alluded to that, Ingram. But I can't see another way to kick off the college football season if college student athletes like the football players are sitting in a a uh, chemistry class with 200 other members of the student body. I can't see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be <clears throat> it's going to be fascinating and I think there's going to have to be a lot of flexibility here and maybe areas that get as complex as Title IX, there has to be some flexibility for the next two years. Uh, Again, that's a that's a federal, uh, Mm. you know, uh, that's conversations that we are talking about that have to take place at a federal level. You can't just suspend Title IX, but um, it's going to be really hard to balance scholarships. It's just going to be a challenge. And, And what do you do with some of these athletes if you have to tell them that their season's canceled? Do you have the ability to float scholarship numbers? Do institutions have the ability to honor scholarships? Uh, There's just a ton of questions here that are going to have to be posed because, unfortunately, some of them are probably going to become reality. And uh, it's going to be a a fascinating uh, next couple of years for college athletics, but uh, certainly an awful lot of it rides on whether or not they're able to have some semblance of a college football year here in the uh, the back end of 2020. Again, he's on Twitter at Ingram Smith. You can follow me at Clemson Sports. He hosts uh, the Knoll cast for the Florida State fans out there and anybody that wants to peek into the backyard of Seminole Nation. And I host Clemson Sports Talk each and every day talking about the Clemson Tigers. And, you know, Ingram, when you look at uh, everything from just the standpoint of, of what we're dealing with, man, I, I just get the sense as we ride out of here today that when we fire things back up on Sunday, those questions will still remain. But the, the fact of the matter is we'll be, what, four days closer to, to to some semblance of a decision from the power brokers in the sport. But my goodness, uh, I mean, you know, in this state specifically, just, you know, just this week, we had SC State, South Carolina State, not going to be playing football this year. And uh, the blow that that is to the economy in that town and that little small community of Orangeburg, South Carolina, the folks at Elon and James Madison in the FCS level, still, even with their conferences saying we're not playing, trying to figure out what they want to do because they know that they still want to play the game. I mean, this is going to be a year unlike any other that we've ever seen. And again, the ACC tailgate will be here for you every Wednesday at 7 p.m., every Sunday at 7 p.m. And Ingram, I know we had a couple of a couple of hiccups along the way today, but that's all right. Hey, show two, we figured them out, and that's the way it goes, man. You got to you know, before you can debug the plane, you got to put it in the air. <laughs> No, I mean this is a this is a work in progress, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to to improve a little bit each show. And uh, ran into one or two bugs here, but we'll uh, continue to overcome. And uh, certainly appreciate people uh, giving this a listen, warts and all. And uh, we'll figure it out over time. But uh, this has been 
you know, this has been as enjoyable a conversation as possible when discussing this subject matter. So uh, we'll continue to get as much information as possible, try to keep our listeners as up to speed uh, as we possibly can, and uh, look forward to meeting back Sunday evening and kind of seeing where we are on the on the roadmap. And again, LandryFootball.com is the website. You can follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Football for our entire lineup. And we will again be here for you on the ACC tailgate Sunday night, 7 o'clock. We'll be kicking it off and then back at it again one week from tonight uh, on Wednesdays at 7. So a two-day operation here for you plus the podcast editions. And again, follow Ingram Smith on Twitter at Ingram Smith. You can follow me uh, at Clemson Sports. Ingram, always good to chat with you, my man. Appreciate it and look forward to talking to you uh, on Sunday night. I'll see you then. Enjoyed it. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.